Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Aging Younger Radio, the podcast that's all about disease prevention using natural health alternatives. If you're searching for natural solutions to staying fit and healthy, you've tuned into the right place. Your hosts are David and Stephanie Tippy, two naturopaths with the advice and recommendations you need to steer clear of the modern medical mess created by Big Pharma. Today, more than ever, health is wealth. And on Aging Younger Radio, you'll get the tools and info you need to be the wealthiest person in town. So if having younger skin, a healthier heart, a stronger immune system, and more are what you desire, stick around. And now give a warm welcome to David and Stephanie. Welcome to Aging Younger Radio. This is Stephanie Tippy. David and I are broadcasting live this evening from our clinic in Lauderhill, Florida. We can be reached at 954-742-4430. We have a very exciting show, a very interesting show for you all regarding health, but I'd like to mention before we begin about the Wellness Gala. It is coming up within the next week and a half, February 3rd, at ArtServe, 1350 East Sunrise Boulevard in Fort Lauderdale from 1 to 5. Uh, Be there, be square. We have a lineup of uh, fantastic practitioners and vendors. And for those of you here in South Florida who would like to meet David and Stephanie Tippy in person, well, guess what? We will be there, too, and we will have a table set up, and uh, we can talk to you about anything and everything. So remember, February 3rd, 1 to 5, you can get your tickets, and they, they're less expensive to buy them pre-registration than walking to the door. Go to wellnessgala.com forward slash events. Okay, here we go with our show. Yes, welcome to the Aging Younger Show. I'm David Tippy. Now, one of the greatest things in the world about health is learning about health. When you listen to things that are out there, and believe me, the smoke and guns are out there of uh, trying to sell things, it's very difficult to understand why the massive majority of the population is obese and has many different types of diseases. Now, fat metabolism is a, a common item to discuss. The concentration of glucose in your blood is the critical upstream switch that places your body into a fat storing or a fat burning state. The metabolic efficiency of either state and the time it takes to get into one or the other of them depends on a large variety of factors such as food and drink, volume and consumption, vitamins and minerals, balances, stress, hydration, liver, pancreas function, insulin sensitivity, exercise, mental health, and yes, sleep. Carbohydrates you eat, with the exception of indigestible forms like most fibers, eventually become glucose in your blood, assuming your metabolism is functioning normally. If the switch is on, you will store fat. If the switch is off, you will burn fat. Therefore, all things being equal, 
Diets are just ways of hacking your body into a sufficiently low glycemic state to trigger the release of a variety of hormones that in turn will result in a net loss of fat from long-term storage. So the summary is this. If you want to lose weight from stored fat cells, these cells need to store fewer calories than they release. What most people do not understand, however, is that this is not as simple as calories consumed versus the calories that are being burned. A low amount of carb consumption, such as 25 grams a day, makes absolute caloric intake less relevant to fat loss. Furthermore, as long as protein intake is high enough, your body will not burn a significant amount of muscle protein, meaning you won't lose muscle mass, but you will lose body fat. Listen out there, my dear vegans. (laughs) There is a science of how carbs, fats, proteins, fibers, alcohol, caffeine, vitamins, minerals, water, micro... uh, microbacteria uh, and uh, the lipoproteins, cholesterol, sleep, exercise, mental health, etc., contribute to overall fat metabolism. Fat, depending on the context, can mean different things, such as specific molecules, cells, tissues, and foods, and or a physical body state. On a cellular level, there is there are a bunch of different types of fat cells and fat tissue. What most people are referring to when they are talking about the biology of fat is white fat cells, especially those located just under the skin, known as the subcutaneous fat. Subcutaneous fat is the fatty or the adipose tissue lying directly under the skin layers. Subcutaneous translates to under the skin, ultimately creating that dreaded cellulite. It contains not only fatty tissue, but also blood vessels, which supply the skin with oxygen and nerves. Subcutaneous fat is not always bad because it is something like a shock absorber, helping to cushion our skin against trauma, and it also will store energy, which the body uses during periods of high activity. It becomes bad with the overaccumulation. That is when the cellulite begins to show up. There is no need to dig into deep science here, but... You certainly have heard of omega-3 fatty acids. And yes, for everyone's information, fatty acids are the building blocks of the fat in our bodies and in the food that we eat. But they also support life itself. During digestion, the body breaks down fats into fatty acids, which can then be absorbed into the blood. Fatty acid molecules at certain times are usually joined together in groups of three, forming a molecule called a triglyceride. Triglycerides are also made in our bodies from the carbohydrates that we eat. Fatty acids have many important functions in the body, including energy storage. If glucose, 
which is a type of sugar, is not available for energy, the body will use the fatty acids to fuel the cells instead. So when you say the word fat to a biochemist, these are the molecules that come to their mind. As a final point of technical background here, let's clarify saturated versus unsaturated fat. Really important. This terminology has to do with the saturation of hydrogen ions around the carbon atoms. Simply put, unsaturated fat has double bonds between one or more of its carbon atoms, and saturated fat are those that do not. You have probably heard scary and opinionated things about saturated versus unsaturated fat. And by all means, do what your doctor tells you, but for some peace of mind, know that your body needs both the function, both, both to function properly. Inside the uh, subcutaneous or adipose tissue, the large white blobs termed lipid droplets in the white fat cells are what house our triglycerides, or such as called TAGs, T-A-G-S. So given the background just described, the specific question that we should be curious about is what causes TAGs to accumulate in liquid droplets within white fat cells? At the end of the day, starches and sugars that we eat from bread, pasta, corn, potatoes, desserts, etc., are broken down in your digestive system into monosaccharides, the two most are uh, familiar with are glucose and fructose. The various forms of carbohydrates that we eat that are not digested are commonly called fiber. Fibers, they come either water-soluble and or insoluble forms and facilitate digestion of everything else that we do consume. The oily molecules, known as fat, contain the saturated or the unsaturated carbon chains we just discussed. Now, these come in the form that David just mentioned of tags. Normally, all are good. However, there are the trans fats, which are in the processed foods, which are a form of unsaturated fat altered to a form which is not found in Mother Nature. Protein is the standard building blocks for the body, and these building blocks are known as amino acids. And guess what? There are 22 of them. Nine of these amino acids are not able to be produced by our bodies, and they are now known as the essential amino acids. Many vitamins and minerals are important in direct and indirect ways for our health. One important note to bring up is that the soils have been grossly destroyed by man-made additives that have destroyed our minerals and nutrients from the, sto the soils for decades. Then there is the ultimate life support system, water. Without water or enough of it, your health is doomed. Your brain is 78% water. 
And every cell in your body must have it. Without a doubt, glucose is also a major player of health. And when balanced in your blood, it is a key factor to consider in the metabolism, both build up and break down of fat. When your blood has a high concentration of glucose for a sufficient period of time, that's when your pancreas will kick the insulin into gear, which will then tell your cells to take in glucose and put it in a temporary storage. Think of it like the RAM storage in your computer. That's that's a good uh, analogy. And that stored glucose is called glycogen. And the body is told to put everything else into long-term storage, which, by the way, will be inside your fat cells. On the other hand, when your blood has a low concentration of glucose for a sufficient period of time, this process is then reversed. Your pancreas then releases a protein called glucagon. And then glycogen is depleted, and a lot of other things are introduced into your body, uh, such as other hormones, epinephrine, cortisol, testosterone. And when these are introduced, then the tags are thereby pulled from your fat cells and converted to acetyl-CoA, coenzyme A, which is the key precursor for the process which your body uses to generate energy, and that energy is in the form of ATP, and it's the energy for your cells to function at. ATP, or adenosine triphosphate, is the primary energy carrier in all living organisms on Earth. As this relates to our uh, digestion, a key process to consider is the absorption of glucose into and across your intestinal walls. It takes place quickly, and that quickness is why when you eat or drink sugary items, it goes quickly into the blood, and this takes energy. When we eliminate the processed sugars and eat more health-conscious, most of our glucose is packaged in starches, breads, pasta, corn, potatoes, and such. But we also get a fair amount via common table sugar called sucrose. We want to note that the big food industry's way to sweeten their processed stuff is with high fructose corn syrup. HFCS is normally how they put it on the labels. Glucose from HFCS goes into our blood faster, and it, its concentration there speeds up fat storage in our body. Once in your blood, fructose can only be processed by your liver, where, when introduced in reasonable low concentration, it is converted into glucose and many stored in glycogen. Now, however, in higher concentrations and especially when there is plenty of glucose around, fructose can do unhelpful things, one of which is more direct route to storing tags in our fat cells. 
Remember, tags are inside the subcutaneous or the adipose tissues, which are the large white blobs, and they're uh, coined or termed lipid droplets in the white fat cells, and they are what house our triglycerides. And remember, we don't want high triglycerides. Part of the reason why fructose containing items such as candy or soft drinks with the high fructose corn syrup are so bad for us, and ketchup too, guys, uh, and ladies and gentlemen, whoever, I, I can't stand ketchup, um, is so bad for us is because it is easy for us to eat or drink too much of these, which thereby sends a significant percentage of it into our fat cells, as well as causing other unhealthy things. Now that we know the basics of tag production and storage from glucose and fructose, we can better understand why limiting the rate of absorption of these molecules into our blood is so important. This is in part where fiber comes in and is a component of why the recent craze about eating whole foods is significant. Unprocessed food generally contain more fiber as well as more vitamins and minerals, which are often leached out during processing. It, is, it has been well documented that increased fiber in the diet reduces the concentration of glucose in the blood. The mechanisms behind this are not completely known. However, it is likely because of the binding effect that prevents the degradation of carbs into free glucose. If you have ever gone on a low-carb diet while still eating a decent amount, if not more, fat, you have probably been surprised to find that you actually lose weight. What is up with that? Haven't you always heard that eating fat makes you fat? Well, to answer this, let's go ahead and follow the same process we just described with glucose and fructose. First, when you ingest fat, your digestive system breaks it down into its component parts, meaning the free fatty acids and the monoglycerides. Then, as you can guess, the rate of the, this degradation, uh, degradation depends on what else you are eating, such as fiber being one. Once the molecules are freed up, they are absorbed via a completely different mechanism than glucose and fructose. When your body digests fat, it uses the process of getting the foods we eat into the right format to provide fuel to our body cells. This process involves digestion, absorption, and transportation. When the body digests, digests glucose, galactose, and fructose, they are then transported through the small through the wall of the small intestine into the portal vein, which then takes them straight to the liver. That portal vein is attached to the liver. Our bodies need energy from carbohydrates, fats, and proteins for normal functioning. In addition, 
to the mechanisms it takes to get energy out of fat molecules, it is also important to understand that it helps your body produce the much-needed cholesterol in the body known as the high-density lipid or the HDL cholesterol, which, by the way, is critical for our health since it is the key ingredient in our cell membranes and it is the key precursor for vitamin D, bile salts, and a bunch of critical hormones in our uh, body's hormone system. High-density lipids are needed to properly respond to the call to get energy out of fat cells and to remove low-density lipids, or the LDLs, that will then uh, indicate a healthy metabolism. It is also better for us to simply be informed about how this all works, to be less afraid of ingesting fat since you are no doubt told over and over, fat is bad for you. Can protein make you fat? Well, the short answer is yes, but not efficiently. When you eat protein, it gets broken down into peptides called chains of amino acids and absorbed into the blood. Free amino acids in the blood can then be used for energy, including getting converted into pyruvate and acetylcoenzyme A. Pyruvate is the end product of glycogen which is converted into acetyl-CoA, and acetyl-CoA's main function is to, dis- is to deliver the acetyl group to the citric acid cycle, known as the Krebs cycle, to be oxidized for energy production. As we stated over and over, it is mainly for the purpose of getting energy out of our proteins, but it is possible that in excess, the acetyl-CoA can get converted into fat. At the end of the day, however, amino acids are best used for actually building and maintaining proteins in our body, including those in muscle tissue. If we consume caffeine, an energy spike kicks in, and as we consume even more, most people get jittery and less coordinated. The basic mechanism here is to block your nervous system from getting drowsy and to increase hormones such as epinephrine, also known as adrenaline. Now, caffeine itself is not the energy, despite what marketing from energy drink companies will tell you. As it relates to fat metabolism, caffeine has been shown to promote tag release from fat cells. While it is not clear exactly how this happens, it is thought to be a combination of the properties of caffeine itself along with the effects of epinephrine, i.e. calling for energy release. Thus, diet pills are often packed with caffeine, and for some people, this actually helps the weight loss process. For others, the negative effects of caffeine or lack of good sleep actually counteract the process and lead to a net weight gain 
So in short, be careful with caffeine. Some people get the idea that alcohol can help them lose fat. But listen up, alcohol blocks the oxidation of the lipids, which is the process of getting energy from fat, and can actually lead to fat weight gain. Vitamins and minerals are key component and regulators of many of the functions of the body. A good example would be the addition of our rejuvenous B complex and rejuvenous B12, which are involved in the various stages of deriving energy from fat, proteins, and carbohydrates. The list of similar examples of other nutrients is extensive, but what is key for our discussion here is that if you are deficient in any vitamin and or mineral, it can and will mess up all of your other efforts. For example, being low in vitamin D or calcium can affect your ability to stop eating and being low in magnesium can seriously mess with your insulin sensitivity. We have all of these nutrients and minerals to offer to you our and our clients. Plus, we offer our hair forensic analysis, which will not only show you what nutrients you are lacking, it will also show what levels of toxins your body has accumulated over time. This is a great testimonial as to your lacking of not only for addition of the correct vitamins, but it could also indicate that you should take our detoxification program which is an eight-month program and partially consists of inserting EDTA, that's ethylene diamine tetracytic acid suppositories, before bedtime, just before bedtime. And we would gladly discuss this with you in person or by phone. The consultation at 954-742-4430. And you can also learn about us and all of our procedures on our website, agingyounger.net. In the the areas we are relating to, there is also appetite control. And yet again, we run into a highly complex set of overlapping systems. The basic elements are physical volume, that is, your stomach has stretch sensors that tell your brain when to eat when you have had enough. This is in part why eating low-density, high-volume foods like the leafy greens, your uh, complex carbs, are important for satiety. Next, there is the fat, carb, and protein ratios. Everyone is slightly different, and it depends on what you have been eating for the past couple of days, but in general, your digestive system wants to receive a decent balance of these basic micro, uh, macronutrients. As we hear so often these days, things are, are what they used to be. The air is different, putting it very frankly and unscientifically. It's full of the crud, positively charged crud. It stays in the air we go up and in we run along the beaches in the middle of this. It's all over the water, the sand, the water we drink, and it stays in the food we eat from what we refer to as the Industrial Revolution. Water is not H2O any longer, and all of this pollution 
is useless for our energy production within our body. Drinking water from our aging, younger water ionizer will turn back the clock on H2O. We can't live in a controlled environment where we could only breathe ionized air, where the crud is removed through the ionizing process. Our bodies have to negatively ionize air, water, and food, which enter our positively charged bodies. Just to get bare minimum ionization needs, our bodies are working nonstop just to supply enough available energy for us to get up and walk to the car. We have managed to take our beautiful planet from a garden paradise to a techno trash in less than a century, and we have done one heck of a good job. When, where once clear air and spring water and global water gave us all the negative ions and electrolytes we needed, today the same basic water actually robs our bodies of energy. Well, I'm now, David and I want to thank our loyal listeners for being here with us this evening. We love, love, love sharing our uh, research with you all. We want to, again, say we would welcome meeting our local people who are here. And by the way, there are people who are flying in from out of state and even Canada to come down to the Wellness Gala. So February 3rd, 1 to 5, ArtServe uh, in, at 1350 uh, East Sunrise Boulevard, Fort Lauderdale, wellnessgala.com forward slash events to purchase your tickets. And Masajadi is our keynote speaker. I did a radio interview with him last week, so you can check that out if you'd like to. Until next week, God bless you all, and have a healthy age. David and Stephanie truly hope you enjoyed today's podcast and learned a lot of excellent information about how to stay healthy naturally. Like the old adage says, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. And with the information you've learned today, you can put prevention to work for you right now. By the way, if you want one-on-one help and advice from Stephanie and David, you can call them at 954-742-4430 or visit their website at www.agingyounger.net today. Thanks for joining us on Aging Younger Radio. Here's to your health, naturally.